it's, it's really like, um, you know, love in the true sense of the word. Um, doing the things that you you know you need to do or you have to do versus things you want to do. And oftentimes in sports, if you just look at it as like, hey, I do it when I want to, or I only do the things I want to do, you will have zero success. You'll also have zero success in life. What's up, people? Welcome to the Dear Young Athlete Podcast, where we talk to athletes and coaches about their journeys and what advice they have for a younger version of themselves. I'm your host, Jacob Thompson. You could call me JT. If you want to hear my story, why do this podcast, that'll be in episode number one. But enough about me. Today, I have a very, very special guest. The man I'm speaking with today, he is a husband, he's a father, he's a former NFL football player, yep, you heard me right, NFL. Now he's a collegiate head football coach. Above all that, he is a man of God, and in this brief window of time we've known each other, it's really been a pleasure to me. Um, and I definitely look up to him in many ways. I know what he shares today is going to be a blessing. Without further ado, James Killian. James. JT, thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great. Just enjoying the day and, and uh, looking forward to spending some time with you um, here, in the, here in our time together. Yes, I'm looking forward to it too. So we'll jump right in. James, you are the first professional athlete we've had on the podcast. So <laughs> obviously you've had an awesome career, yeah. but where did it all begin for you? How did you fall in love with playing sports? I, you know, I just, it was a passion I had from being from a small, as a small kid. Um, I grew up in a, a large family. There were, I have six other siblings, um, three sisters, older sisters, older brother. And then I have a little sister and a little brother. So we grew up pretty competitive, um, playing all kinds of sports. We had a, you know, a, a church across the street. So we played in the churchyard all the time. Um, we had a basketball hoop at our house. So we were always, you know, playing baseball, football, basketball, whatever it may be. And uh, we just, you know, we, we enjoyed watching football on Saturdays and Sundays and and it's just something that we that we grew up. It was just, you know, was, you know, grew up in a small town in Oklahoma. It was just kind of part of the fabric of the community. And, um, you know, you really always looked up to the older to the high school kids. You go to the football games, the basketball games. And those are people that you really wanted to be like that, be like one day. And and obviously, like everybody, um, you had dreams and aspirations or everyone like everyone that is playing sports as a, at a young age has dreams or aspirations to play professionally. And, and I was just fortunate that uh, the good Lord gave me the ability to, to play at that level and the size and all the things that it, all the things that it takes that you have no control over. Mm. I was blessed to receive. So were you a Sooner fan? We did grow up a Sooner family. Um, and I, I played football at the university of Tulsa. You know, it's funny. My older brother went to um, a division two school in Kansas, Fort Hayes state. We ended up playing Oklahoma when I was at Tulsa and uh, he you know, we're talking, he's like, I hope you have the game of your life, but I hope you lose. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, I was like, yeah, it's terrible to hear from your own brother. <laughs> yeah. 
I was a, or I am a Husker fan. Um, My great uncle, so my grandpa's brother, played quarterback in the Rose Bowl. Oh, wow. For the Huskers. So we'll try and get past the, uh, the rivalry there. For sure. Yeah, it's good they're going to play this year, too. So it'll be an interesting game. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Hopefully it won't, it won't be a heartbreak like last year yeah, for me. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so you grow up, you're playing, playing with family, playing at the church. Um, you get into high school. I imagine it starts getting a little more serious. So talk a little bit about the high school years. Yeah. So I was, I mean, I was from, from, you know, even in elementary middle school, very motivated, um, to take care of my body and work hard and, and put myself in the best position to, to be successful as it worked out. I, I ended up starting as a freshman. Um, uh, we had actually a couple of other uh, teammates that started as freshmen as well on our squad, but, um, um, yeah, just the level of commitment that it takes and, and really also, um, then the other pressures and things that come along with uh, being in high school and, uh, you know, Friday night parties and things like that, that now you're, you know, being asked to go to and stuff like that. And, and, um, and so all those things are, are um, really adjustments that you have to make. And, um, you know, you're, you're coming across different circumstances that you, you may have not prepared for or thought about. Um, but, um, you just, again, had to gain, keep your perspective of like, what do you want to do? Like what I was always involved with FCA, mm. um, like, what do I want my testimony to be? Um, when I get in front of kids and talk to them or around my peers, like, am I a guy that, um, just talks about it? during the week or chose to church on Sunday, but on Saturday nights, I'm not living that. So, mm. and I would say that uh, certainly I'm not, you know, not perfect. It wasn't that I never had struggles um, because I did. Um, but it was something that I was always constantly thinking about, like, like, Hey, yeah. this does seem fun. And I want to be part of the, the cool crowd. Um, but, but I also had other priorities that, um, really kept me out of a lot of trouble. <laughs> wow. I'm sure being a, a QB one as a freshman, you have a lot of um, pressure on you in football, obviously, but also socially. And so good that you were able to stay focused on your perspective. And like you said, no one's perfect, but um, that dream and, and your goals kind of kept you on the path that you wanted to be on. So was it just football? No, um, being from a small town, like I was, we, uh, we'd go football right into basketball season and then basketball season would right, we'd go right into track. And we also play baseball at the same time. So, um, if we had a baseball game that afternoon then we would come in before school to do our track workout. Um, or there were some times where we played an early baseball game and then we do our track workout after our baseball game was over. Um, so that's just what you do when you're in a small town. If you want to um, stay involved with all these other sports. My senior year, I was contemplating not playing baseball hmm. um, and just, you know, doing one sport in the spring and kind of enjoying my senior year. 
our defensive coordinator was also our head baseball coach. Mm. He was also our history teacher, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I had told a couple of guys that I'm like, I don't think I'm going to come out for baseball. And um, I think some word got back to him and I saw him in the hall and he said, what did I hear about this? You know, you're not playing baseball this year. I was like, I don't know who told you that, sir. I'm, I'm definitely playing baseball. <laughs> He's a pretty intimidating guy. So it's like, no, absolutely. I'm playing. Don't worry. So, uh, but yeah, so all four sports, all four years. Um, wow. So. I, I always envied, I grew up at a, a big suburban high school and I kind of envied one of my friends grew up in a small town. He was a, a multi-sport captain, lead role in the play, Eagle Scout, yeah. junior college graduate, all this stuff by the time he was 18. And I always was a little envious of like getting to do all that. And kind of where I grew up, it was like you don't you don't play football and be in the choir. It's just not compatible so sounds like an awesome thing was football always the dream or yeah I was I was I wasn't um I wasn't good enough to play another sport I don't think um or I'll say I didn't put the time into baseball to be the best baseball player I could be um I liked I really enjoyed playing basketball I liked playing basketball, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and I would just, football was my higher end. Um, mm. I mean, maybe I could have played division two, II, division three, NAIA basketball, maybe, but nowhere, nowhere near division one yeah. caliber basketball player. But um, speaking of that, then what does the, um, the transition to, beginning to look at colleges and being recruited how does that transpire yeah so you know it really you know all all these things kind of line line up in terms of my mindset and personality i played eight-man football in high school so playing quarterback at an eight-man school you can't imagine that there's a lot of division one programs that are really interested in eight-man quarterback Um, so I knew that I had to do everything above and beyond everybody else because that was kind of a huge knock against me. Um, so what I did now, this is 20 years ago, old, longer than 20 years ago. Um, I just went to the camps that I wanted to go to, or I went to the camps of the schools that I was interested in attending. Um, and the camps back then were like, they were like real camps. Like you would go for maybe two or three days and, get instructions by coaches and stuff like that. What you have now are just these <laughs> combines and one day camps, and right. all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. And the recruiting process is so sped up as, as it, before it was, you know, compared to what it was 20 some years ago. So I went to Oklahoma's camp. I went to university of Tulsa's camp. I went to uh, Kansas state's camp. Um, are these invitational um, yeah, I, I guess. Okay. So let me go back. I went to Ar- Arkansas's camp was an invitation. Tulsa's was an invitation. It, when I say that it was a junior, it was just for juniors. Mm. Um, now did they invite everybody? They probably invited a lot of people. I got, I got like an invitation to go to Colorado's camp. I had never had any conversations with Colorado. Mm. Um, 
but I, but some of that, they, they just want to have a bunch of people show up and make, make money. And I understand that. So, but my, my cousin played at Kansas state. Um, so my uncle really always paid for me to go there and they actually, um, that was when Bill Snyder was the head coach. They had the best camp. It was really affordable. It was four days. It was, it was a lot like you, 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 you really needed to go into that camp um, in shape, especially like as a quarterback, like ready to throw, cause you threw a ton. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of how I got on their radar. Cause I went to their camps every year. And I remember I went there after my freshman year and their offensive coordinator talked to me and said, Hey, you know, enjoy your senior year, have a great year. Um, you'll do great things. And I said, well, I just, I'm going to be a sophomore. And, uh, so he was like, well, make sure you continue to come back. And so that was always the school I wanted to go. I wanted to attend. Um, ended up not getting a scholarship offer from them. Um, and I got one from the University of Tulsa. And I think in a large part because of attending the camp that I attended. Mm. Um, and then I, I, I know I had shared this with you and I, I'm like, I'll share this because I think it's it's important part of the faith piece. Um, a guy by the name of Doc Blevins, um, who was uh, FCA director at a, at a, at a big school in, in Tulsa, Tulsa Union forever. And really in Northeast Oklahoma, and, and he is really, he's not with us any longer, but uh, has, I mean, it, the number of people that he's led to the Lord is, I mean, mm. I don't think in, like thousands, thousands of, of, of young kids wow. um, and um, the impacts he's had. He did an FCA, um, he, he was an FCA speaker at a, at, a, at, a, at a huddle close to my hometown that we attended. And um, I think he had, no, had known, hey, there's a good player. He was, he was really good about kind of knowing who the good players were in, in, in the areas. And uh, he was um, – Rocky Felker was the offensive coordinator at Tulsa at the time, and his son played at Tulsa Union. So he knew he knew that family pretty well. And uh, so whether he kind of reported back to him or, you know, we kind of – or he knew that they were talking to me. I forget which one it was. Um, but I know when I ended up at the University of Tulsa, I ended up attending Doc's church. And uh, wow. we'd, go, we'd, go to, we'd go out, you know, we'd – we had, especially in the summer, maybe even during the year, um, we had like weekly breakfast together. Um, these are probably all things that were illegal because I think he paid for my breakfast every time. But uh, <laughs> silly that those things are were illegal then, and now we got, uh, you know, NLI deals and things like that. But uh, right. So that's that's kind of how I ended up there. Um, yeah. I got one scholarship offer, so I didn't have to really anguish in terms of like where do I go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's different to just hearing you talk 20 years ago. You know, you can't post a clip on social media and oh, I had to make blow. a had to make a um, dub VCR tapes. Yeah, <laughs> and send it to coaches is nuts. Yeah, absolutely nuts. I've heard so far on the po- on the podcast we've heard DVDs, but yeah, there, you're the first. No DVDs, no. <laughs> Yeah. No. So you show up freshman on campus. Um, talk to us a little bit about the journey and, and how you come to kind of earn your position. Yeah. Well, this is, um, this is, you know, it all really kind of again ties in to the, to the faith, uh, my faith journey and, um, and my mindset and just, you know, how, you know, whether, you know, nature and nurture, how I was raised and then part of like just how I was, how I am. 
Um, so I obviously I redshirted my first year and my true freshman year I redshirted, uh, which I which I really preferred to do. I wanted to do that um, to I would played 11 man football in my entire life. And so that was a good opportunity for me. Um, there was a new coaching staff coming in that that recruited me. There's a, even a, another story kind of behind that of, of uh, the, the, the recruiting coach or the, re, the staff that offered me end up getting fired about a month later. Mm. The new staff that came in, they came from Arkansas. And just so happened when I was at Arkansas at their camp, my, you know, group leader, coach, whatever you want to call him, was Keith Burns, who, who then became the head coach at Tulsa. So mm. I had known him because I went to their camp. Had I not attended their camp, I mean, I don't, they, they, they very well did not have to honor my offer. They could have said, hey, you right. don't have an offer anymore. But once he got the job, he called me and said, hey, I remember you. I really wanted you at Arkansas, but we went another direction. So I, you know, so wow. another, another thing that just worked out like that I had no control over. Mm. Um, so my first year I redshirt, my second year, I, I start one game. There, we had a lot of turmoil. We, we were not good. My first year, we were five and seven. That was the best record they'd had in many years. Um, and then my soft or my redshirt freshman year, I should say, um, we went one and 10. I think that's right. We went one and 10. We had a lot, like we had, like we had, we had, we had it was bad. Uh, yeah. But we followed that one and 10 season up with a one and 11. <laughs> Uh, we won the first, let's see, we, in our one in 10 season, we won the first game of the year and then we lost 10 in a row. Ooh. And then the one in 11 season, we lost the first seven games of the season. So we had a 17 game losing streak. Yeah. This, like this, this, this was not fun. College was not fun. Like you didn't want to wear your Tulsa football stuff around campus. Like it was mm. nothing to be proud of. Mm. Um, after that season, we end up having a coaching change. And, and let me, let me guess, re rewind a little bit during my sophomore year. Um, I had pretty much made up my mind that I was going to probably go somewhere else. Um, yeah. I just wanted to play football. Like, and I, and I thought I, I felt like I had the ability to be the starter. Um, and really my, I guess my goal, my sophomore year, cause I, I knew they were going to, we had a, a player that was a year younger than me. Um, that they had recruited that they really liked. I thought mm -hmm. I was a lot better, but I think, and no, no ill will towards him. I think that's just what you have to think. Yeah. Um, you have, and, and we were good teammates and we were respectful with each other, but I just, I believe that was better than him. Um, so my goal, my sophomore year, knowing that I was not going to play barring injury was the only way I was going to get in the game. Um, mm -hmm. So I just wanted to make our coaches look as silly as possible. I wanted to be so much better than him mm. that that even though they weren't going to play me, it would look they would look silly for not doing so. Um, I don't know if I accomplished that, but I do know that I had guys on the team starting to recognize that as the season went along. Mm. Um, and so I thought I would go somewhere else, um, but I really didn't want to. I certainly, you know, you you know, you've been around this program for three years. I didn't want to leave. Um, so I was like, what well, if we have a new football coach, then I'll definitely stick around. And uh, so then I just I actually began to pray for a new coach. And, and mm -hmm. I became to I started to kind of be specific in terms of what I wanted in a new coach or what I would like. It was like, hey, I'd love to have a godly man um, that would just open up all the to, to give 
a godly man that would give everybody an opportunity to play. Just right. play the best players. That's that's all I wanted. So those were really my two requests. Um, so we did make a coaching change after the season. Um, Steve Crackthorpe was hired, and in his first team meeting, that's what he initially the first two things he said is, "I'm a man of God, and all jobs are open." Yeah. And uh, so Crazy. I felt so I feel, you feel really good when you've prayed about something, and then you're you're seeing those you know, that, that, those prayers being answered right away. So mm. if I can even pause and just say, like, God is interested in all aspects of life. You could look at that prayer and like, think it's unspiritual because you're praying about football and about yeah. coaching and about having an opportunity. But that's sort of, and I love that you said that because a big part of the heart of this podcast is to show that that God is in all aspects of life, including sports, and he's caring about the things that are going on in our everyday lives, not just super spiritual things. So that that's kind of crazy how that happened. So go on. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, we go through spring ball and they weren't going to name a starter until fall camp. So going into my junior year, um, some, somewhere along the lines of that summer prior to, um, the quarterback that I was competing against had been the start of the last couple of years. He decided to transfer and go play baseball at Oklahoma. Um, so I ended up, we had a freshman, um, that I competed against, but, I mean, I didn't feel like it was much of a competition. Um, and so I, I was a starter um, in 2000, 2003. Um, that was the year that I started full-time. Um, I started a game my freshman year and my sophomore year as well. Um, but then I was the full-time starter there. Um, so in 2003, uh, we finished the season eight and five. Uh, first winning season in 12 years. Um, wow. And I would say since then, Tulsa's had a much more reputable program nationally. And we've had some really, you know, some really good players come through there. I think in this last year, they had a, a, a number one draft pick offensive lineman go to Dallas and, and other wow. guys. Um, and uh, anyway, but um, so you feel good about, you know, the trajectory that you put the program on. Um, um, but the, really the, the thing I was able to do, um, and I've always thought this way was, especially when I was in college, is just using football as a platform to share um, my testimony, um, mm -hmm. you know, I got the chance to speak to, you know, maybe it's different groups on campus, um, speak yeah. to a lot of different high schools and, and influence people in that way. I was, like I said, involved with FCA. And then the, again, there's always, you know, we can talk about all this stuff, but we, um, I know all the things that the Lord's doing, but at the same time, um, Satan's trying to take all that stuff away from you too. Um, yeah. and so temptations, um, you can imagine people, you know, when I was a freshman and sophomore and I'm the backup quarterback and we're not winning any football games, like there's not a lot of people really tugging at me. Right. right. Um, and then become the starting quarterback and things basically change overnight. Um, and so it's like, how do you handle that success? Mm. Uh, and it was just, I was always my perspective that I had when I was a high school and I was a starting as a freshman in high school 
were really no different. Um, did I was am I perfect? No. Um, but but did I allow the um, the temptations to overwhelm me? I would say I didn't. Um, and that was really just leaning on the Lord. It wasn't certainly not my own doing. Like my flesh yeah. definitely wanted to give in. I will say that. Um, right. But it was it was relationships I had with guys like Doc Levins. It was you know going to church no matter. Even though really on, even during the season, um, we played in at that time, the Western athletic conference. So we'd play in California and, you know, we, we, every game was West for the most part. Um, so coming back, you know, you'd get back at three o'clock in the morning and I'd still make it to church Sunday morning. It was important to me, Mm. um, to, to do that. And so, um, we had a great church there and and a a great support system and, and a a great group of, um, really young Christians on our team. Um, Um, so those are all the things that, that I think made all the difference in my college experience. Um, again, I, I love playing college football. Don't get me wrong, but playing football, it was, it just never defined me. It was never who I was. It was just always what I did. Um, and even like when you said like former NFL player, I always joke like the NFL stood for not for long for me. Um, but, but I also don't want to discredit the, um, the opportunity that I had like such a great opportunity. And I don't want to make light of that, but it's, it's never just, it's never been who I am. I don't think I've ever induced myself as a, as a former NFL player. Um, and I was just there so briefly that I don't even, I don't even know if I, you know, I don't even know. So, I mean, I was with a couple teams, so that was, that was cool. But um, yeah, but yeah, so the, I would say when I look back on my college experience, how much the Lord um, protected me in many ways, mm-hmm. like I did a lot of dumb stuff too, that, <laughs> that, uh, that the Lord protected me as well. Yeah. Well, it's cool. You have a theme sort of, of having a greater uh, purpose beyond just playing football or just what you do in life. You have a guiding principle and in high school, you know, it was same focus, trying to be true to your faith and trying to be true to your dreams with football and then in college you know the perspective you have I think it's so rare of like this is not about me winning games being on tv and everyone loving me it's about I have a platform now that I can use and um, just being faithful with that and Something I try and tell people and and tell myself is everyone has a platform. Um, And if you're not faithful with a small platform, what makes you think you'd be faithful with a large platform? So cool to see in your story, just saying faithful with what you have and the Lord sort of multiplying and blessing i mean you talk about some things out of your control like you know your your height and your ability but then also your relationships and and connections that really i mean it was like the lord had to be in that too much to be a coincidence so i just i love that and you, you 
you talk about, man, I'm, I've always been more than a football player. Um, something so many people, whether you play football, whether you work in sales, whether you, whatever you do, seeing that you're, that's just part of who you are. That's not it. Um, kind of finishing off tuck i mean people are people have to be curious just with the nfl journey i know you said it wasn't super long or super you know exciting but just a little bit about how it transpired yeah so um you know it's funny i i remember i was in i think i was in the fifth or sixth grade I was at a, um, I would always go to the football practices after school. Um, and I'd, you know, sit on a ball bag or whatever, try to play catch with someone on the side um, and watch the high school team play and, and um, or practice. And I remember um, one of the players was asking me like what I wanted to do. And I was, and I'm a pretty, I was a definitely a very matter of fact kid. And I was like, I'm going to play in the NFL and just like, it's going to happen. And uh so is this uh, guy's name's Lance Embry and he kind of laughed and I'm like, I'll bet you a hundred dollars. I'm going to play in the NFL. And so he like stopped practice and he was like, Hey, our, our uh, head coach's name was Rex Bruce. And he's like, coach Bruce, uh, James over here, just bet me a hundred dollars. He's going to play in the NFL someday. <laughs> and, uh, so obviously that made me really embarrassed. And his response was, he's got to play in junior high first. Um, but that was just kind of out of my mindset. And then, uh, um, I remember when I, I ran into Lance Embry at a homecoming, you know, years ago, um, after I'd played in the NFL and kind of reminded him of that story. Um, so anyway, kind of unique Did he pay in, up? in that regard, he... of course not, like, but I wouldn't ask him to like, uh, just more of a, just more of a, a gesture. Um, cause obviously I wouldn't have paid him a hundred bucks if I wouldn't have. <laughs> so that's fair. Um, so really kind of how it went down. So my thought was when I was younger is, oh, I got to do is play, you know, go to division one school and start for a couple of years. And then you get drafted. Like that's, that's the blueprint. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I, I went to Tulsa and I, I started my last two years and I got drafted. It was really cool. The draft, the draft process was, was neat. I didn't go to the combine. I did, I did a couple um, like uh, pre-draft visits. I uh, visited mm-hmm. with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, the Kansas city chiefs came and did a private workout. And then I, and then I had a pro day. So I probably, I'm trying to think of the teams I talked to the most were probably like the jets, um, the, the Buccaneers. I feel like I talked to the bucks a lot, uh, the Falcons, uh, can and then obviously Kansas city. Um, so, and then, so the, the draft happening and i I knew I'd be a late round draft pick. Certainly they used to do it two days, you know, day mm-hmm. one was like, one rounds one through three. And then I think it's four through seven day two. So I got drafted in the seventh round. Um, they, they just, they literally, when they're on the clock, they call you. And uh, so you're on the phone and it was, I don't know if they're on the phone with someone else that made it sound like they were on the phone with two people and saying, Hey, we're going to draft you. And then it was like, okay, wait, hold on. Maybe we're, maybe we're going to draft someone else. And it's like, no, congratulations. We're going to draft you. And, uh, and then really probably, I don't know, five, six seconds later, you know, my parents are in the room. I was at my cousin's house. Not a lot of people there. Um, didn't yeah. need to be, but it was kind of like, yeah, just like watch the TV. 
And uh, then uh, Paul Tagliabue was the commissioner. So he comes up and, and then announces that. And then you kind of see your name flip up. It was really neat. Yeah. And uh, so now obviously you get a lot of phone calls and text messages of congratulations. And, and uh, so, um, you know, you go to a, a pre-draft or no, a rookie camp. So the other quarterback there was, was, um, was um, Jason White. So Jason White played quarterback Oklahoma, won a Heisman Trophy. Mm. Um, awesome guy. And um, I think the probably the – I don't know if the common – you know, everyone thought, hey, well, we're going to go to rookie camp, but they're probably going to sign Jason White and not James Killian, not the quarterback from Tulsa, even though that's the guy they drafted. Okay. Um, but that's not what happened, um, obviously. Um, Jason was – he was, you know, I got to know him a little bit during that time, an awesome guy. I remember watching the um, – the sports Friday night or the Sunday night sports show in Oklahoma city or Tulsa, wherever it was out of and uh, talking about that. And it was just hard for the, um, it was really hard for the sports people, the talking heads to really say, well, like this, you know, just quarterback from Tulsa, like beat out this Heisman trophy winner from Oklahoma. Like it was just tough for them to do that. The best they could say was, well, I guess the tie goes to the draft pick. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but which was fine. Um, but then once I got back for like for um, for OTAs, so we before we go to training camp, we go to OTAs. That was the first time I was ever like, like you're starstruck. Like I don't know how I don't know if everybody's that way, but it's like um, you know you got Tony Gonzalez, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, um, Willie Rofe, I mean Brian Waters. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, trying to uh, Will Shields. I mean these are. I mean, these are Hall of Fame players. Um, yeah. And uh, and then, like, you're throwing – like, you're handing the ball off to Priest Holmes. You're like, this is crazy. Mm. Um, and so, um, yeah, it was really neat. You know, and Trent Green was an all-pro quarterback as well. I mean, it, we, we just had really – they were great people. They were absolutely great people. Um, and so went through training camp with them. Ended up not making the final cut, I think – I think they they cut down to 61 and then they cut down to 53. So I didn't make the cut to 53. I made it to mm. the, the cut of 61. Others, you know, a lot of circumstances have to go your way that just didn't. Um, yeah. I ended up in my first preseason game. This is this would be a fun story, I think, to hear. Um, you know, you you always, you know, we have a two minute offense that we practice, but as the fourth string quarterback, like you don't get a like you get very little reps as you can imagine. Um, so I just, I knew I was like, I'm going to get in the game and I'm going to have to do the two minute drill. Like I'm going to have to run a two minute offense. Like, I just know that's how, that's how it's going to happen. Like, mm. that's just how it's going to happen. And the, so we're, you know, it's funny cause I live in Minnesota now. Um, so we, we played the Vikings and, um, and it's funny because we also, when I was at Tulsa, we played the Gophers. So I played oh. in the Metrodome against the Gophers and against the Vikings. Wow. So, um, but, um, so game's going down, it's winding down. And then it's like, Hey James, you know, you're going to get this last series. And I'm like, okay, great. It's going to be the two. I, I, it's like, there's like a minute, 27 seconds left. And, um, and I remember just already, I, I was already prepared mentally. Like this is how it's going to go prior to the game. You know, we get a, a ready list of like 300 plays. Like, Hey, this is how many plays we go into the game with. And our offensive coordinator said, just mark off the one, the, mark off any plays you don't like. And I mm. won't call them when you're in. I marked off one play. Wow. One play. I was like, I don't, this is one play I just don't feel good about. I'm not comfortable with. And he called uh, it. 
well, of course he called it. Um, but uh, so, so we were go, we're breaking the huddle. Coach for, uh, Dick Vermeil is our head coach. He's like, you got one timeout. And he's like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. We have no time. So it's like, even better. Perfect. Like, let's just make it the worst possible scenario. I'm getting my first NFL experience. I'm running a two-minute offense that I've never ran, and we have no timeouts. And um, you're, so we, are you down? Uh, it's, we're not, we're, we're, we're down less than two scores. So it's not, not the winning drive. Okay. Um, it's not like the game's really pretty much over, Yeah. but, uh, but not for me. Right. This is right, you know, my right. first NFL experience. And so we do march down the field and then we're, you know, we call play there's, you know, timed running call to play. And I, it's the one play that I wasn't good with. I wasn't comfortable with, and I could not get it called. You know, they, they, they say the name in the huddle and I just keep looking over like, it's like, I don't, I don't know. And so I just call it the best that I can in the huddle. You can imagine how wordy these plays are. Mm. And I'm in there with a other bunch of rookies too. So we're all looking at each other like, I don't know. Um, so I ended up just ended up just really kind of turned it into a quarterback draw. And I ended up running in the end zone and scored a touchdown on that play. Mm. Um, so it was kind of, kind of funny in that regard, but, uh, but that was my, that was my most NFL action, I would say, or my first NFL action, I would say I played more um, in some other preseason games, but those were, yeah. that was a, that way, that was a scenario that was pretty, uh, pretty nerve wracking. Um, uh, but I, I will say that, um, it, that, that drive probably made me about $10,000. Wow. Um, so after that, then I, I got a, I got, like, you know, everybody has like a, a card deal. You get some money for, for trading cards. And I got a lot more money after that. They contacted me shortly thereafter and I signed a bunch of, you know, cause they, they don't know what rookie's going to be good. Right. Um, so, Hey, this rookie, you know, comes in and takes a, you know, two minute drive down the field, scores a touchdown. Maybe there's something to him. Um, one of the, one of the cards I have is a tops card. My, my last name is Killian. It's one L K I L I A N. Most people spell it with two. Well, the tops card, they, they spelled my rookie rookie card with two L's. And I'm like, this is destiny now. Like for sure. I'm thinking like, this is going to be like my Brett Favre story. And, yeah. uh, and this man, if you have a Killian rookie card with two L's, you're going to, that thing's going to be worth some money, but <laughs> that part of the story never happened. <laughs> I, so, so I want to ask you a question in all that, because so many kids, uh, they grow up, they grow up with that dream, right. Of hearing their name called at the draft the NFL, NBA, MLB, or whatever sport. You have that dream. And I think you think if that dream came true, I would sort, I would kind of find my ultimate fulfillment, right? Like I would be happy if that happened. Um, Obviously, it was an awesome experience being drafted and then scoring a touchdown in the NFL, like all that. But speak to sort of, on one hand, yes, it's awesome living your dream, working hard for it and and doing it. But on the other hand, like, was it what you thought? Did it was it the ultimate fulfillment that people think? Um, not for me, I would say. Um, 
you know, it was, it was an interesting, um, you know, as I reflect and he's been even reflected at the time, I, I put so much emphasis and so much time and energy into attaining this thing. Um, and then once I did, it was kind of like, I did feel a sense of fulfillment. Um, but it was kind of like, oh, I set this goal and now I've achieved it. Mm. So what do I do now? Like, I mean, obviously you'd love to like continue to play, but I felt a sense of like accomplishment. Yeah. And really kind of since then, I've kind of gone away from the idea of setting goals mm. because I want to actually set something that's like almost unattainable mm. and uh, it, it, not even like a tangible thing, but I talk a lot about process. We talk about this as the process and it's like just constantly, you know, um, living a certain way, behaving a certain way that, you know, along the way you're going to be successful in what you do, mm. but there's not necessarily like, a prize you're chasing. It's like you're chasing the the behavior. You're chasing like the consistency and it yeah. becomes more like a daily, a daily accomplishment. Mm. Um, you know, if, if that, if that makes sense, I hope, I hope that that does, but it's like, I set out for this goal. I achieved it. Awesome. And then everything else was to me was like just extra. Yeah. It was like, ah, uh, I don't know. It'd have been, but it would have been nice to have a 10 year career in the NFL. Absolutely. Holy cow. Be great. Um, but I don't like, I don't have any regret or remorse. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's good. I think we can, we can lean at least coming from a faith perspective. It's we know that our ultimate fulfillment won't come from, our worldly accomplishments. Um, but I think that can be taken too far to think like your goals and accomplishments are like a bad thing or unspiritual thing. And right. I encourage people like have a dream, you know, chase it, work hard, be consistent, like do go get your success but just know that that doesn't ultimately define you. And like you said, once you achieve it, it's like, okay, well now, now what, you know, and I love, you said process. I think about that a lot of like, yeah, everyday living a process. Sure. I have goals in mind for, um, this podcast, I have goals for my career. I have goals for um, training as a, a paracyclist, but the process of getting up every day and and training every day, pursuing something, just building consistent, successful habits is, I don't, I, would would you say it's better than the dream in a sense? Um, I I would because I would just say the dream will not will not happen unless you do these things. So like sometimes we just get sometimes we just get focused on the one thing and then people don't do the all the stuff it takes to re, that that it right. requires. 
Um, and, and some of that comes with age. I was just thinking as you were kind of talking about setting goals and having goals and, and, and sometimes we can get, you know, we can think that they're bad things as Christians in a weird way. I remember we, we won state champ, the state championship my senior year in high school. That's the only state championship that we won. I think we could have won another, maybe a third, um, but we didn't. But we played in the state championship all but one year. My freshman year, we got beat in the state championship. My sophomore year, we got beat in the semis. That was probably our best, a, a great year to win it. And then uh, actually my junior year, we got beat in the semis too. It's actually terrible. Um, but I thought there was a time like my sophomore year, I'm like, I'm putting so much time, effort, energy to think about winning a state championship and getting a state championship ring. I wonder if God's not allowing me to do that because I'm putting that up like as an idol and something mm. in front of him. I, I would say, I mean, I'm, as I'm talking to like my 15 year old self, like don't be so hard on yourself. Like I was, so it's kind of, you know, kind of a little pretty, you know, pretty fundamentalist in terms of thinking that way. I don't think God was keeping me from having a state championship because I was putting up as an idol, but that's, mm. but that's definitely the things that those are things that I thought of. Like, am I putting, is this, is this becoming my God? Yeah. Um, and, but, but those are the, the conversations that you have with yourself um, in, in the spiritual world or in your, you know, in your, in your Christian walk to be like, is this more important than, than being a Christian? Like, right. And so that's just a young mind developing. Yeah. And so, so as I look back and then I see, think about how I, how I thought about stuff and how I think about things now, not that they're a lot different, but I have a, I have a lot different perspective. Totally. Um, so those are inter- just interesting thoughts that I had. Yeah. I, um, so I know kind of there's a lot that could be said here, but if you want to talk briefly, kind of put a, putting a cap on your athletic journey, just getting into coaching, why coaching, what coaching means to you. So, you know, why I coach is to develop young men. I mean, I coach college football. Um, That's why I do it. And um, are there aspirations to coach at higher levels? I would say sometimes, like like my ego wants me to do that. Um, And there's, you know, like, financially, you know, it's more beneficial, like all these things, but it's, but I just, I've, I've been there and I've seen it and I've coached at that level prior to having being married or having kids. Mm. And I just know, I just know what it takes away. Um, and I just think it's really important that I'm home with my kids. Like, um, you know, I could maybe try to pursue other career, um, and make more money and then I'm not going to be home my kids are not going to understand that. Mm. Why is daddy never home? It's like, they just won't understand. And I've seen, I've seen really great families like crippled um, or great kids, like not have good lives because they're Mm. basically just, it's a one parent household. Um, And uh, so I wouldn't say that's, I mean, no one's calling me. It's like, I'm turning these jobs down, but those are things that I think about. Um, and that's yeah. why I like coaching at the level that I'm at because it aligns more with what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I can focus on my relationship with our players and not be as concerned about, man, what in all ideal are we going to have to get for these guys 
what um, collective are we going to have to establish with our donors? Like, right. all, like relationship with your players, like it doesn't, that certainly doesn't become secondary, but you can't have a relationship with everybody. Right. You need to have a relationship with your best players. You got to, but here I can have a relationship with everybody yeah. and that really everybody's important. Yeah. Um, and so that's what, that's what got me into coaching. Um, and that's what, that's what allowed me to like kind of settle at the level that I like. Um, and there are certainly like, again, I still have thoughts about different things and doing different things. And it doesn't mean that I won't do those at some point. Um, but right now I I feel like that I'm where the Lord has led me to be. And I just want to do the best I can here, um, and do really what's, what's, I want to do what's best for our players. And that's really my priority. Um, if yeah. it makes people upset, so be it. Um, I'm trying to do what's best for them. Yeah. Cool thing in college too is you bring in boys and they leave as young men. And that's got to be a pretty, pretty special. It's neat to see. Um, you know, and I've coached high school. I just like working with 18 to 22 year olds. Um, and I just think that that four years of college is like just such exponential growth um, that you really can have a, a really positive impact um, on 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 young men. And some of the guys we have on our team don't have um, they may not have positive role models mm. um, growing up. And um, and so, you you know, can you can you maybe your role model? You hope that you are. But at least you're a model of of something. Of, 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 a, of a man, um, you know, dad, um, my kids come around a lot to be like, hey, this is something like you may like what I do and you may not like what I do, but at least you're seeing somebody in a father role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully, hopefully the advice that we're giving them or the things that we're trying to instill in them are things that are going to help them be successful in life, regardless of, of what career path they take. Um, we're really focusing on like on the behavior. Yeah. Not the, not the, yeah, we talk about behavioral skills, but versus technical skills. That's good. You, I want to transition. You touched on these aspects of your faith journey and being involved in FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. If anyone doesn't know that, um, being involved with FCA, being involved with church. If you can speak to maybe some key aspects of, of your faith and, and what it means to you um, or any, any pivotal moment that you want to share that you didn't share already, just speak to that. Okay. Um, I, I'll just kind of go back really all the way. Um, in terms of like be- when I became a Christian at a young age, um, I think sometimes in doing so, you you question it. Like, did I do it because I wanted to? Did I feel an influence? Like, did I just do it because everybody else did it? All these other things. Um, so I really had a really, I struggled with that a lot um, in terms of, of am I saved? And I grew up Southern Baptist. So, I mean, for you guys that don't know, it's like, you know, it's kind of like the once saved, always saved, which, which I do believe. Um, but I mean, it's, it's just salvation is like from the, from the time you can hear it, like that's Sunday mornings are just 
salvation messages. Yeah. You want the teaching, you come back Sunday night or Wednesday. Mm. That's when the teaching happens, not on Sunday morning. That's a, it's a salvation service. So you're getting an altar call every Sunday. And so, and then, you know, anyways, I won't go into that just in terms of time. Um, so I went forward no, a number of times to be saved. I was baptized twice because I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I really knew what I was doing the first time. And I remember talking to my mom about that. Um, I was probably like 10 or 11, maybe I was a little older. And uh, she was like, your, your relationship with God is personal. You do what you think God wants you to do. And don't worry about what other people say. I would say that's a pivotal, that was a pivotal moment in my life. Um, not only in that way, in that, not only in a spiritual way, but also just in a, in a way that I view things like I, it's, I used to say that I don't, I don't, I don't care what people think. That's not true. Um, I just don't, I don't let what people think affect what I know I need to do. Hmm. I'm aware of what people think. I do care what people think. I just don't let it keep me from doing what I know needs to be done. Right. Um, and so the advice that I would give people in terms of like Christians is, you know, do what, do what, listen to the Lord and do what you think he's leading you to do. And if he's leading you to do something, you should do that regardless yeah. of what friends and family or even worse people you don't know and don't even care about you think. Um, yeah. and so that's, I would say that those are, that's, that was a pivotal moment. Um, and it's just really, I reflect, I think about, you know, the, the scripture, it's like, be able to give testimony for God. Um, and I just, it's easy for me to do that. Um, I could just think about all the things that the Lord's done in my life, the things he's brought me through. Um, and I just have a, a belief and a faith that he'll always take care of me. Mm. Um, and things seem to always work out. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't spend a ton of time um, worried about what my next move's going to be, what the next thing's going to be. The Lord is always, he's just always opened the doors. Yeah. So I would just, I just kind of believe and expect he'll continue to do so. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about using your platform as kind of a college QB one on a winning team, kind of having a sage. What does using your platform mean to you now? It's more so the platform is as what I'm doing currently, like as a football coach, um, I do very little, um, outreach, I guess I would say, um, as I just, as I think about like what I'm doing in my Christian faith, it's like, it's not a ton of outreach, you know, talking to other schools, talking to youth groups and stuff. Um, I have a passion for that stuff. I also have three young kids at home and a wife that works full time and a job that's very time consuming. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that that's where I want to, where I am right now with that. But in terms yeah. of investing in our players and like, I'm, I'm so much and our players know this. It's more about actions and less about words. Yeah. We, I do share scripture from time to time. I do share my testimony from time to time, but more important, it's like, I have to behave a certain way. Yeah. It's like, this is what I believe. Um, and our guys know that. And then my, and more importantly, my actions, the way I carry myself have to reflect that. And I would say, by and large, I hope that they do. I believe that they do. But I also yeah. know that there are times where I'm like, 
that is not a good example of what a believer should mm. say or do or behave. Yeah. Um, but I even think about, I mean, some of the coaches and the leaders who have impacted me most, you don't remember their their sermon. You don't remember their message. Uh, you remember the relationship that you had with them, seeing them day in, day out, the way they carried themselves. And, man, I, you know, I don't know the ins and outs, but I'm sure the perspective that you have, even just doing your job with integrity and as a head college coach, I'm sure there are times and ways you could do things the wrong way. Um, and that in, in and of itself is to me, a testimony and an example of using your platform. I mean, how many coaches are more concerned about maybe wins and losses than you said what you care most about is developing young men. And uh, yeah, that's that's huge. I don't know if you have any more to say there. Um, I would say I, I do care about wins and losses, um, but, but it kind of goes back to the process part. If you yeah. invest in your players and you develop them and they behave and they do all the things you ask them to do and they, they understand there's a right way to do stuff, winning football games is, is a byproduct of doing things the right way. Yeah. Um, so that's that's like the, the, the win and loss record is really kind of an indicator of like how well are you doing it. And there's lots of factors that, that play into it. Like, um, you know, there's lots of factors um, that play into that. Like, you know, if you're in Alabama and you go nine and three, that's not yeah. a good year. Right. Like, you're going to get fired. There are other places. <laughs> Let's just stay in the SEC, maybe Mississippi State. They go nine and three or 10 and four. They're going to give you a raise. Right. Um, so, um, so yeah, we, we're, we're, we're focusing on the wins and losses. Of, I shouldn't say we're not focusing on the wins and losses, but they are important. But I just, right. I just believe it, it really comes down to, um, the process that you follow and, and what are, what are your goals? And, and um, like, I guess, what is your why? Yeah. For me, football is just the what and the how it's not the why it's just the what and the how. Um, yeah. And some people, I, I just don't think keep a good perspective with the things that they're trying to do. Right. That's good. So obviously there are so many lessons that we learn playing sports that applied to our lives. But if you could pull out one thing that you've learned in the sports world and you've seen impact your life beyond sports, what would that be? Mm, gosh. Um, so for so much of my, you know, the sport I coach, is, it's all about, it's a team sport. Like it's not, there's no individual um, so the individual piece is so, I mean, it's, it's not even highlighted. I hate that it's highlighted in like culture and stuff for football, like these premier guys, but, but it's not how you win football games. Um, you win football games with, with, a, with a group of people um, that, that share the same goals, the same visions, 
and are willing to make sacrifices for each other. It's, it's really like, um, you know, love in the true sense of the word. Um, doing the things that you, you know you need to do or you have to do versus things you want to do. And oftentimes in sports, if you just look at it as like, hey, I do it when I want to or I only do the things I want to do, you will have zero success. You'll also have zero success in life. Hmm. So I would say that the thing that I've learned the most by playing sports is you just decide what you want to do and then you have to do the work to accomplish that. Like people yeah. think that you have, but people think that there's a lot, that you have a lot of decisions. Like you have a lot of choices. Like, oh, you know, this whole um, paralysis by analysis. If you want to be successful, you don't have a lot of choices. Like it's pretty much, the path is pretty much laid out and you're going to have to say no to a lot of things. It's, good. it's, it's not that difficult. Um, yeah. I think sports for me has, has made that, has painted that picture very clear. And that's just a lens that I look through. Um, and I just don't think you can accomplish anything or build anything of any, um, with any staying power without your foundation being in trust and love. Mm. So. it's good. Those are the things, I guess that's the biggest thing I pulled out of playing sports. Yeah. I'm sure, I mean, we could talk, for another another hour, hour about or two love, no doubt but um as we sort of come to a a close here on the dear young athlete podcast we ask every guest complete the statement dear young athlete what do you want to say to your players what would you say to that younger james killian yeah I would say, dear, dear, dear young athlete, don't um, don't compare yourself to others, to people around you, to other peers, to, to um, just focus on yourself, um, be the absolute best player that you can be. Um, if something's truly important to you and you want to accomplish it, then you got you have to um, your behavior has to reflect that. You don't have to go. Don't go around talking about it. You don't have to go tell people what you're going to do. Just focus on yourself. Um, don't compare yourself to others. And, and if you do that, you'll find, I think, a sense of um, peace and accomplishment with, with what you are able to do. Mm. Uh, I just think so many times people are comparing themselves to other people. I mean, I want to get on a tangent, but I mean, we compare our, like, our image, our, the way we look to people in a magazine or people <laughs> on Instagram or Facebook, and they're not even real people. Right. They have filters, there's editing, like it's not even, it's not even a reality. Yeah. And, uh, and we're holding ourselves to something that's not even attainable. So I would yeah. say just focus on yourself and, uh, and be the absolute best, you know, in this case, I would say, you know, um, turn your eyes on the Lord and, and focus on him and all other things will take care of themselves. Yeah. Uh, but if we're looking strictly from an athletic standpoint, I would say still focus on yourself and not compare yourself right. to others. Right. Yeah, that's the old saying. Can't remember who said it, but comparison is a thief of joy, right? Mm. And when I go look on Instagram or look at a magazine and start comparing myself to everyone else, A, I feel discontent 
with what I have based on something not even real, like you said, but then B, you miss what's right in front of you. Uh, You miss the opportunities like you're coaching D3 football. If you sat around every day wishing you were Nick Saban, you'd be missing the amazing opportunity that you have right in front of you. And same is true, I think, for all of us in our own respective lives. So that's a good word. Um, any, any final thoughts, any last words as we shut it down? I just want to thank you for your time and putting this together and, and really the, the, um, the ministry and the vision um, that you have uh, with this podcast and really trying to reach others and, uh, and share your own story um, and, um, you know, and your testimony with others. Cause I think that um, it should bring a lot of perspective to, to every human um, that, that hears what you're going through um, and then how you've cho- how you've chosen to respond based on um, the circumstances that you, that you have to deal with. And uh, I think that that is um, a, a lesson or a story or a message that everyone should hear. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and um, giving us the awesome insight that you've gained on your walk. So I appreciate it. And um, man, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, JT. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Dear Young Athlete podcast. Make sure you check out our website linked in the description and find out how you could bring Dear Young Athlete to your team or your group. Check out our merchandise and use code all caps DYA20 and take 20% off your first order. Also, consider partnering with us on Patreon. You'll get regular discounts, you'll get exclusive content, and you'll be supporting a great movement. Wherever you're listening, make sure you follow and leave us a review. It really helps the algorithm and helps this podcast reach more people. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.